Welcome to episode 108 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello, McSauce Casters. It is Monday night, June 15th. And after a week of R&R, taking a little time off, we are back to talk Mad Max Fury Road. That came out weird, didn't it? Fury Road? Fury Road? Fury Road. Fury Road? I don't know if that's you or if that's, like, just a hard thing to say. It didn't sound weird Mad to Max, me. Fury Road? No, it did. did as it? soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, It wasn't Look. on children level. It was... Yeah, I, bet right. it, I bet it's bad yeah. when you listen back to it. Maybe. We'll so, anyway. So, Mad Max, Fury Road. We're going to talk the Star Wars comic book. And we're going to talk post-convergence slash secret wars. But before we get into any of that goodness, housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. We took a week off from podcasting, but we didn't take a week off from from you, our listeners, our readers. We still updated McSauce.com. You can go there to check out Paul's pool list review. You can see my suggestions. We also have the webcomic, which is the foundation of what McSauce, the McSauce brand is built upon. A surprisingly DC empty pull list review this week. Wow. Because there were DC books that were released. Your tastes are shifting, I think. And we all grow up. We all leave foolish things behind at some point. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Oh, that's God. true. You can go to mixsauce.com and see the DC list review pool list from Paul. You can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash mixsauce and you can join in the conversation where we like to well, we'll put a little bit of Princess Leia first look up there. You can check out her, her new outfit. We'll, uh, we go and promote some of our friends' things on the McSauce page. If there are stories like the real-life Ant-Man trying to rob a PNC bank, did you guys hear is about that, a, that? Is that a real thing? In Chicago, Illinois, a thief came in, released 350 pounds of ants into a PNC Holy bank. Shit. I thought you were going to say 350 ants, and yeah. I was like, so the fuck what? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting 350 pounds, pounds of, ants. of ants into a PNC bag, so that's a real thing. I and think that's more pounds of ants than Matt and I put together. Yeah, probably. Probably. So, exciting comic book related stories what the fuck is wrong with you? at, at facebook.com forward slash mixsauce if you're looking for the the podcast you can find it in a variety of different ways on the Podomatic feed you can go to podomatic.com you can find the mixsauce page there we also have classic episodes because we don't have enough room on the Podomatic feed. So if you go to mixsauspodcast.libsynliberatedsyndicate.com, you can check out all of the classic episodes that are no longer available through iTunes or Stitcher. It's a good way to go and take a look at the back catalog, the history of the McSauce podcast. So go to uh, mixsauspodcast.libsyn.com 
com to check out all of our our old school hijinks and nerd foolery. And uh, that's that's all I got for tonight. Just gonna do a nice clean housekeeping. Let's. I'm excited nice. to podcast. Let's jump right into. Let's get on that Fury Road. Let's do it. Um, I think I was the last to see Fury Road last week, and it blew my mind. It reminded me of what a great movie is. Yeah, Ian, I need you to fucking not type like a monkey. Was I being that loud? I don't know like a gorilla was... on the goddamn was, keyboard. Was I that loud? Clack, 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 clack. I don't know if I was that loud. I really don't think I was. I hope it picks up because if it doesn't pick up, I'm a giant asshole. Well, but most things pick up that I don't think pick up. So Mad Max, yeah. Fury Road. Yeah. It was really good. It was good. I feel like it set a new standard for movie going. For the Mad Max for series. It set a new Mad Max standard. Did it not set different standards for each of you? Well, let me tell you this. I have never seen a Mad Max film before. Really? Yes. That actually blows me away. I thought you would be a hardcore... Died in the wool, Mad Max supporter. See all the films. It seems like your '80s genreness, like something that you'd really like and follow. You would think so, um, but uh, yeah, a couple <laughs> of those clicks were a little intense. Now, settle it down. Do, do you guys need to pull out your iPad so we can like? You know, I, I, you know what? I don't want to have to go through an entire podcast being ridiculed for my <laughs> typing. My, we'll find another I'm sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm sure my pronunciation and opinions are enough for you guys to ridicule me over. I mean, since everyone is is typing like a like a monkey here at the table, it won't it won't matter too bad if I do this. Really. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I Why don't you just hit the side of that in cup as well. I listened to two podcasts today. Yeah. And they both had blatant pop can opening. Were pop they, cans or beer cans? <laughs> were pop they cans or beer like cans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah you were going back into the archive. It wasn't Airwolf or anything. Ah, uh, that's some good Coke. Hey, listen. I always felt like the Mad Max movies were kind of something that I wouldn't be that into. I always felt they looked kind of like shitty. Like, um, I don't know. Like something like, like, I haven't seen this and you guys are probably going to jump all over me, but I always thought shit like Time Bandits looked terrible. Oh, because it is. Okay. I always See, thought I always kind of liked Time Bandits. I haven't watched it in a long time. Time Bandits, but I have dog shit. I have good memories of Time Bandits. Well, Evil. And, and then there was Ice Pirates. More garbage. And, <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that is. I know. I, I've I've seen Ice Pirates. That's dog shit. But Mad Max always had a look to me that kind of resembled shit like that, yeah. and that was always stuff I just wasn't interested in. It wasn't until the trailer for um, Fury Road that I was like, wow, that looks really good. Um, Paul, are you looking up Ice Pirates? I sure am. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking up there, I mean... Doesn't it kind of look like Mad Max? 
Yeah, it, it totally does. It looks like Mad Max meets Star Wars. You know, I really miss that whole illustrated, painted look from the posters of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. I really love that shit. It's beautiful stuff. Yep. And Ice Pirates, while a dog shit property. Angelica Houston is an Ice Pirates. Well, there you go. She looks sexy. Is she on that poster? She looks sexy. Um, she's in a different image. Oh. We might have to do a McSauce commentary like on Roman Ice Pirates. And Ice Pirates. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Ice Pirates is like a knockoff Star Wars thing, though, isn't it? Like it wasn't so. a serious kind. I remember of deal. Look, when we were kids, there was Star Wars, and then there was everything else. And you wanted everything to be the next Star Wars. You were so starved for it. Like, well, maybe the new Star Trek will be like it. No, not really. What about what about this great Ice Pirates or Time Bandits? Nobody like thought that Ice Pirates was going to be Star Wars, well, though, except for the makers of I it. I probably did, but I was like six, so cut me some slack. Ice Pirates didn't even trip my radar. If I knew about what that was in 84, I it's gone. It's gone. It from 1984? Yeah. I know that the tagline for Masters of the Universe, one of the things that was on the back of the box art was Star Wars of the 80s or something oh, ridiculous. fuck you, Masters of the Universe. They're like, no, you're not. You suck. Fuck you, Masters of the Universe movie. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. Really, really rough because everyone should know by now the, the deep, deep depths of Masters of the Universe love here on the McSauce podcast. Yeah. But that or that the 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 Dolph Lundgren movie just mm. There were some things about that no. movie that were okay. Like nope. Dolph Dolph Lundgren wasn't okay as as he made he couldn't in a better written version of that movie. He couldn't have pulled off a better version of He-Man. Are you saying Dolph Lundgren is the Ryan Reynolds of that's, the He-Man movie. That's exactly... You read my mind. That's exactly what I said. actor for the part in a bad movie surrounding him. And Frank Langella as Skeletor wasn't terrible in that movie. It and always seems so fucking weird to me because... Yeah, Skeletor's always good. a little older than... Yeah, I mean, he didn't look bad except he doesn't look anything like fucking Skeletor. Well, paint... How about this? Paint his head yellow and then we have Skeletor, Right? Oh, yeah, I mean, there's redeemable things, I, I suppose, about that movie. But overall, it's just not very good. Take it, bring it back to Earth, and you've lost me. I agree. Well, I have the soundtrack for it, and... Of course you do. It's actually pretty decent. It's, um... It's definitely like Superman or Star Wars. It's definitely got that kind of fanfare to it. And not as good, but... It's it's really not bad. I think they could have had a good movie, but they didn't have the budget to keep it on Eternia. So they had to do like, all right, ten minutes here, right. and it's like if they then let's Thor. go to KFC. It's like, like if they had made Thor back then, they wouldn't have been able to do any of the um, uh, right Asgard, Asgard stuff. Asgard stuff. Yeah, I, I think I mean because they even so had like if you take a look at Skeletor's hover throne kind of cool looking they could have done some shit with a bigger budget i think it's like whenever movies don't have the budget to like go into places that kind of fit the um the fantasy and you're kind of stuck in the real world it just it kills the entire idea no matter how great of an idea or concept mm -hmm. it is if you can't escape 
our reality and trick us into thinking you're in a different place. It just it kills it. Perfect example, Logan's Run. Not sure if you guys have ever seen the 1970s film Logan's Run. Set in like a dystopian future. I know of it. I've never seen it. Nobody's allowed to age past a certain age or whatever. It takes place in a shopping mall. Like that was their idea of like this super didn't futuristic. They, didn't they remake something recently about people that can't age older yeah, than a certain Yeah, that age? was with uh, it was Justin out, Timberlake. Out of Time, Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. Justin Timberlake's Logan's Run. But uh, anyway, I'm sorry to have gone off on such a tangent because we're actually here to talk about Mad, Mad Max, Max and we, we got stuck on Masters of the Universe well, we, 87. We really liked Mad Max collectively, although none of us saw it together. Um, I thought that uh, it was a great surprise. It was the first movie I saw after The Avengers 2. Um, and maybe that's why I liked it as much as I did. Just because I was so kind of just down on on going to the movies after Avengers 2. It was such a, like, a disappointing experience. Um, coming back with something like Mad Max was just such a pleasant surprise. Like, I thought it would be good. I didn't think it would be great. And it was great. You never saw the original Mad Max. That's correct. Ian, did you? No. I haven't either. Do you think our love for Fury Road has anything to do with the fact that we have nothing to compare it to? <laughs> Probably, now that I think about it. I, see, I feel like they are, from what I've looked up from the original Mad Max, I feel like they're so different that you can't compare the two of them. So that... I, I There's even a, a sort of theory out there from the fans of the originals that this isn't really the Mad Max character it's not it, it, it's a it's one of the children from the original ones or something like that that's what I heard oh shut up <laughs> and, get over it and, and to me like Mel Gibson is crazy he has ruined his career it can't be Mel sorry sorry it's a new guy the thing about this is it felt so fresh and so new. It really did. It was like the first third of the movie, the main character barely speaks. You don't even see his face. Was he even the main character? Let's let's clarify that. Or was um, Furiosa or whatever her name. Who was the main character? It's, it's a good point. I think that he was still the main character, however... It wasn't really his story. I, I know that doesn't make sense. It wasn't his story because he wasn't. But it he was, was he was along for the ride. It was yeah. but you were a story through Max's eyes. Yeah, but you were riding with him. You were on his journey. But the things that were happening, the the events and the the thrust of the story wasn't his to control. What was your favorite part of the movie, Ian? My favorite part of the movie. Wow, are we gonna do this so early? It's so early for favorite part. I will go. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot. We're doing the McSauce comic book podcast here. What was your least favorite part of the movie? No, I, I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to be completely positive because I love this movie and I want to give it 100% the, the, the full positive spin that I feel it deserves because it was a wonderful, breathtaking refreshing movie. Breathtaking. It was breathtaking. It was, it was a beautiful looking <gasps> film. 
That's what breathtaking away. is. It took my breath away. Like you went to sit, you went I to sat down. over to your buddy and like say something like, wow, this is really good. But all that came out was. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny was he needed I to could call say, that emergency oxygen machine. <laughs> Ex Machina actually was breathtaking because I swallowed my pop down oh. the wrong. So I was coughing during like the main only, part of the movie. Only because you were like, I can fuck a robot. <laughs> The future. I'm not gonna electrocute it. The future. I want to. I want to tell a story. Um, and uh, then can I do my favorite? Yes. Because I'll forget otherwise. Okay. Uh, this is a, a movie theater story. Um, my mom actually took me to go see uh, Tomorrowland, and uh, how was it? It was kind of a turd. Oh, oh that's no. Disappointing, man. That's what I've heard. Yeah, it was just not good. Like I think my mom kind of liked it. She's like, "Wow, how do they?" What was it good about it? Like, what did they fuck up? It was boring. It was just boring. It was like kind of interesting at first, but it got more and more boring. It it just had this like I don't even know how to like quantify it, but what I would say is that it had a really like distinct Disney vibe to it. Like the stakes never felt like like. They made them, like, we're talking end of the world high, but it just never felt threatening. So, like, Age of Ultron. Like, no one's it, going to die. It kind of felt that way, yeah. So, in Star Wars, whenever we feel that way, about 15 minutes in, are you going to get antsy a little bit? Are you going to get a little uncomfortable? No, I think, I think they're going to, I think they're going to kill people. I think, I think we're safe with Star Wars because I felt more like, um, excitement and and passion and adrenaline in just the trailers than I did collectively the entire time of Tomorrowland. But here's the funny part of the story. So um, we're sitting there before the thing starts and my mom and I sat on the like the end of the row and um, she was like, hey, I'm gonna like run to the bathroom before the movie starts and she had put her popcorn on the <laughs> on the floor in front of her and of course being my mom, she gets up and she kicks over the popcorn, goes everywhere. My mom, a which, which, in retrospect, was kind of smart because it prevented people from wanting to enter our row. So that was kind of nice. I was like, good call, mom. She built a barrier. Right, you built a little popcorn uh, barrier. Spent $12 on a popcorn just to knock it over. She went, no, I was like, mom, go, go, go get more popcorn. Like, just tell me you knocked it over. And she did, and she got more popcorn. So it was kind of funny, this huge pile of popcorn, like right by our seats. And of course it's my mom, so I was just shaking my head. So halfway through the movie, we're watching it and all of a sudden there's this huge thump, like right to our right. And we both look over and this poor girl had fallen going up the steps back to her seat. And she had, she had a, uh, a bit like a large Coke in her hand. Well, on her hands now. And, and she dropped all of her popcorn all over the thing. And like, I tried to get up to help her, but she was like, like spring loaded back up on her feet and like scurried up the stairs because she was horribly embarrassed. But I did see, she had like Coke dripping Aww. off of her body. And, and it's funny because when my mom knocked her popcorn over, I took a picture of it just to commemorate like my mom's follies. And, um, <laughs> Then my mom leans over and she's like, get a picture of the, <laughs> of it now. Because there was, like, just that entire staircase just 
popcorn all over it. Uh, it was so funny. I'll have to post the pictures to the Facebook page. It's really funny. Popcorn madness. That poor girl uh, took I, a spill in your popcorn. Then, like, I had to go to the bathroom, and when I left, because I knew I wasn't missing anything, to like, I was like, I'm not holding this for this stupid movie. So, as I'm leaving to like exit the theater to go to the bathroom. Uh, she had gone back downstairs and she was like there crying with her boyfriend. He oh. was like awkwardly like, well, what do you want to do? You want to go home? So I was like, well, whatever. What yo? What That poor chick. Yeah. So that's my, my movie theater popcorn spilling story. Um, so I'll just show you guys real quick. There's my mom. That's not as hat. much popcorn <laughs> as I built up in my oh, mind. Oh, well. And then here's the here's the that's the still not a lot of popcorn. That's a lot of that's popcorn. That's a lot of popcorn though. That's when the girl just it, like she went down hard. I thought she broke lots of things. Oh, she went down girl. so hard. Um which favorite part my of Mad favorite, Max? My favorite favorite part of Mad Max. I think that my favorite part I, I liked a lot about it. It's very hard to pick a favorite part. Paul, what's your favorite part? We'll give you some time. That's okay. I I have it loaded up here okay. I, I like the um i like the initial fight between furiosa and mad max when he's trying to write whenever he finds all the wives when and they have sees, like the fisticuffs it, it, the, the, the fist fight and i like the fact that they didn't you know they didn't pull any punches he was fighting her to the death mm-hmm. and he didn't care that she was a woman and she was whipping his ass and I thought it was a really it was a good change up for the rest of the film which is pretty much car chases which were great car chases the best car chases I've ever seen or even given a shit about have you ever seen Chips? I've seen Chips I've seen Fast and the Furious movies which have excellent car chases I thought that part was pretty good too Ian so I liked I liked that knockdown drag out battle between Had the some, two. Yeah, like there was some some force between those hits. Yeah, it was it was a good little action piece. And you've got uh, what's his name, Knox or Knox? Knox, the war boy mm-hmm. that becomes part of the crew. Beast. Nicholas Holt. Beast. Yeah. Also from that those was like just nuts. The way like they was like oh, I'm off to Valhalla, and then they would. That shit was crazy. crazy. And it was silver? Like, well, did it have to be silver? That just looked Yeah, insane. because it was chrome. Like, the because chrome it's the that chrome, you never see anymore. Because it's the chrome gods. Because right. that's who they worship, or the okay. chrome gods of, of, of machines and metal. I loved... I mean, just another part of the movie that I liked was the fact that uh, the director didn't treat the audience like they were stupid. There wasn't a lot of exposition. You didn't have to explain, well, this is what's going on in this world, and this is the end of the world, and blah, blah, blah. You got all of that visually. The story was told all... You saw it all. Right. You the movie didn't. started at 100 miles an hour, and you had to catch up as right. a viewer, and that was cool. Right. I was it, it was... It, I did it. Every, you just went along for the ride. You saw how these... Cra- you know, you never explained what the war boys were. You just kind of went along, and you right. figured out that they were these fucked up dudes, and you, you figured everything out. You didn't have to have it explained all to you like you were a child, and I love that about this movie, that it treated everybody... Like the like the grown up audience that we are. Paul, what was your favorite part? My favorite 
part was all the surprises that I got throughout the course of all the all the car chases. Uh-huh. Like, what, what do you mean, like, surprises? And this is why I didn't really want this to be my favorite part, but it really is because I can't think of any in particular. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of places throughout the car chase, the car, all the car chases, the entire, I shouldn't just say the, the movie car is chases, a car throughout chase. the entire, yeah. Yeah, it's one like, huge throughout car Throughout the entire chase. movie where someone would use some part of a car or a weapon that wasn't necessarily what it was built for to get them to where they need to be and to get ahead of another car or to get on top of something. And just the ingenious nature of how George Miller got everyone to where they needed to be mm-hmm. and doing it in such a high-paced fashion. Like, everything was really cool for me in that regard. Like, when, at the end, when Furiosa uses her metal arm to rip off dude's mask. Mm -hmm. Like, if she had a real arm, she couldn't have done that. I liked the fact that they never really reference her metal arm. They never really make a big deal about it. I don't think they ever really say anything about it. Things happen during the story where her straps are coming off, or she doesn't have the arm on. But nobody makes a big deal about it. Why? Because you're in post-apocalyptic hell, and fucking things happen, and you're born mutated, or you lose your arm. And it wasn't a handicap, she was just a badass motherfucker. I thought it was neat at the end when she needed Max's blood to survive and he kept all the stuff from him being a blood bag earlier in the movie because the whole time like he has the the tube clipped on his shoulder and I'm like alright I'm sure he's keeping that for some reason because in I that kind of world I didn't even notice that you keep and well the whole time it was kind of front and center like right by right on top right and, and, I, and I, it wasn't I didn't it notice wasn't, it wasn't telegraphed yeah. to me because there there's no slow pan shots yeah, over yeah. it. Oh, is the universal donor is the telegraph at the beginning. Right. You know that's going to come back and pay off. Yeah, but they don't... Throughout the rest of the movie, you see him holding on to the, <clears throat> to the tube and other stuff, and you're like, well, this is just the kind of world that when you come across tools or something that could be useful, you just fucking hang on to them. It wasn't... Like, there's, you know, episodes of, like, let's take Harry Potter where you learn about something in the beginning of the book and you're like, all right, this is going to be what saves the day at the end. Like, there was none of that at the end where... Right. Like, when he, whenever he's like, oh, fuck, she needs blood. Only at that point was I like, oh, yeah. And that probably has something to do with how much action they fucking pump into this movie and you're going at a fucking 110 the entire time. So you don't have time to really piece things together. That and... Me being a dummy. Those two, hand in hand, then I was like, oh, all right. Well, you're, because you're so engrossed in the movie, you're not, like, looking for those things anymore. You are just in it. You're you're captivated, but, like, as a as an objective viewer, that's gone. Like, you're just filled with, like, wonder. It's almost like watching it as a kid, right? So, um, my favorite part was uh, the first time Furiosa, is it A uh or O? Ah. Uh. Furia, Furiosa. Furiosa and Max like work together um, I think he may have still had the mask on at that time but it was like they have the shootout in the truck 
as they're being attacked and they're like just shooting like every which way and like just working together and it was so intense and and the way that they worked the music into that sequence like I think I felt like I was just watching that with a giant smile on my face the whole time and then I just thought man I I would totally go back and see that movie again for that sequence. It was so good. And and I also thought this is like a day one purchase. The day this comes out like on iTunes, I am buying it and I'm probably going to fast forward right to that scene. It was it was one of those scenes that are so fucking classic. Speaking of the music, I feel like in any other film treated any other different way, the fucking guy with the guitar would be fucking silly. If you were reading the script and you came across that part, you would say, okay, the first thing that we're going to do in edits is edit this motherfucker out. (laughs) But that dude, he added to the film. He was part of that crazy world. It was ridiculous, but in a good way. Good ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was was just like, um, you know, in war when you have the little drum, the the drummer boy that keeps the pace of the march. He was that, but you're driving a thousand miles an hour. If you need flaming fucking metal. If Mad Max was a music genre, it would be heavy metal. What What that reminded me of was Silent Hill. And it reminded me of the siren in Silent Hill. Once the siren, once yeah. the siren starts going, you're like, "Oh fuck, oh, fuck. we're yeah. fucking screwed." But in Mad Max, like as soon as you start hearing those drums and that electric yeah, guitar yeah, yeah. coming over the fucking horizon, you're like, "Oh fuck!" And it was and cool it was because so, it was so cool. It was so threatening. I was like, "This guy's fucking nuts!" Like this is his job. Because like, you he for- gets up in the morning, and like I'm sure when. I don't know what the fuck the main bad guy's name was, but uh, he Immortan was like, Joe. get your guitar. Immortan Joe. He was like, hey, guitar guy. Because I just read it on that. Get your shit okay. together. We're we're hunting down some prey today. We're rolling out. Like, this is what this dude lived for. And he gave it his all. I thought it was cool that it was sort of part of the soundtrack, and you kind of forget, and then they focus on him playing the guitar, the and bouncing around and shooting flames and the shit. The soundtrack was great. I like wanted, that, that, it was that, really good. That deep bass sound effect that they would play, to me, that's almost like the main theme of the of the movie. I wanted more of him at times because in the in the literal view of the movie, I'm like, all right, well, where this is the setting we're at, you know, we're, you know, so many feet with this rolling train of cars. There's a billion fucking speakers up there. Like, we should really be hearing this guy shred. Yeah. And I understand why they kept it out. <laughs> but, like, man, was that fucking nuts? And everything was fucking crazy. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I loved it so much. Like, I feel like it was nothing that I've seen before. And like I said exactly. earlier, All before the- we started recording, like, it gave me a new barometer for movies, like, because when I watched, like, the entire time I was in there, I was engaged. I don't think I blinked once. Yeah. From just the moment that all the war boys get the call that they have to go out, and they're going around and picking off their their steering wheels, and it's like this, it's such, it's like a religious experience yep. where it plays into the spraying of the teeth and all that stuff, like, all of that was so it was such a deep world that you got instantly it was it was just it was so engrossing and i i loved it i loved everything about it 
Yeah, like it just did whatever the hell it wanted to do, which is so refreshing because it was so different than anything that we've seen lately. You know, we keep going to these superhero movies and they're all kind of the same. And it was just such a breath of fresh air. And I want to know more about that world. I want to know about yeah. the War Boys. I want to know about where Mad Max came from. There's God. But I don't know. No, but, you don't. Yeah, okay. No, you don't. That's the next part that I was going to, but I don't want a sequel to this. I don't want a no. prequel. I don't want a sequel. You don't I want, want this to stand as I a... I would be happy with a sequel. I want it would to you? stand alone. I don't, yeah. I don't want any more. Tom Hardy was really cool as Mad Max. I want to see him come back. I want to see him do have a different adventure. Do yeah. you want do you want the prequel where you find out what happens to the little no, girl no, 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 and all just that? Give, no, give me a just sequel. another story. Yeah, it's See, all... I I can get behind that kind of sequel, kind of the same thing that we just saw. But I, I don't. I don't, I don't want, want it. I don't want it. I don't want an origin story. I don't want any background information. Yeah, right. Because just that's forward. why Boba Fett was cool in the beginning because no one knew who the fuck this badass was. And then they get into all this fucking backstory, and he, and same with Wolverine, he just becomes less cool and less cool the more you tell about him. Don't I feel, fucking tell me anything. I feel I like I don't know. The unknown is fucking amazing. The bar is way too high now. I feel like I'll be let down. There I don't are, want to see it. But another story where we don't learn about Max, like Matt said. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like that's where they would go with it, though. Yeah, I that mean, they would know, go a backwards. whole new set of characters, you know, like as cool as Furiosa was, we don't, she doesn't need to be in the next one. Just, she can't be if it's going to be an interesting movie because she's going to be the ruler of that, 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 that land, the, um, the Citadel. She'll right. be the ruler of that, so. Um, you know, there, there are movies that, that don't come around very often that, that just kind of like are so incredibly unique and they just change the way that you look at movies. And the only one that I can think of that I had a very similar feeling about going in and then coming out would be the original Matrix movie. I was going to say that. Yeah? Do you feel like the original Matrix was is now less of a movie because of the two less than stellar follow-ups? Well, I don't know. Because I think the, um, the two sequels, I had only watched them... I've, I've seen bits and pieces of them numerous times, but I've only watched them each once all the way through. And I don't think they're as cool as the original, and frankly, the original doesn't quite hold up. Is I mean, it's still really good, but I just watched it last summer, and I didn't think that it held up as, as good as, like, I had remembered it. But I think that the sequels maybe get a little bit of a bad rap. I mean, I know that there was some idiotic casting involved that that kind of really hurt the sequels I, like i think the thing that jada pinkett smith was pretty rotten in it some of the other like you know there are more story element and structure of a two-part film i think they broke it apart really strangely i don't think that they had mastered the we're filming this all at the same time and now we're going to make these two movies at that point i think that was one of the first ones that they did that where they filmed it all at the same time yeah just um, the story they expanded it in a way that i don't i i didn't like the directions that they went i didn't like the allusions to neo being jesus christ in the third film see i actually like that that's where i felt like it kind of like salvaged itself no pun intended but like um 
the second one just felt like, oh my god, what, what? Especially at the very end with the the architect when he explains things, which I tried really hard to keep up with his explanation, <laughs> yeah. and then eventually I got lost. I felt like I was in biology class in tenth grade, but I think in the third one, the way that he kind of is almost literally like a savior, and they explain his like his role within the matrix and, and how he works and how like he will essentially come back again resurrected was actually pretty interesting i like that he even went blind and it he, felt he had so heavy-handed like was, i didn't like yeah, it yeah i guess it was but like it it felt like an appropriate closure to a to a hero's journey like his story felt like it truly had a beginning middle and end and you know, it had some bumps along the way. Like, like, why did they cast Roy Jones Jr., the boxer? That guy can't even, like, speak because he's gotten hit in the head too many times. How can he act? Yeah, he's a terrible ringside announcer. I don't know what really made anybody that. think that and that then, casting was going to be a and good And then thing. he doesn't even fight in the, in the movie. Like, yeah, why he's don't... a known fighter, and he doesn't throw a single punch. All he does is look cool with sunglasses. Yeah, I I don't I don't know what they were doing. I think that the 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 premise of the first Matrix combined with some of these cutting edge state of the art things that made that movie worlds and years beyond what was going on in film in '99 or whatever. That right, was. 1999. And I remember sitting in the theater when the second Matrix came out. And I sat down, and as the green text is scrolling, I turned to my buddy Joe, and I said, this is a can't-miss movie. Ah. And I remember but it had so, so vividly parts. being so fucking disappointed at the end. But, like, I mean, there were a lot of, like, annoying things, and then the over-sexualization that they brought in with the, um... Oh, I forget what his name The hacker dude that had the hot Italian wife. The hot Italian... I remember the hot Italian wife, Monica Buccelli Bellucci or whatever. Um, but then, like... But this... The, my problem with the second film is that it felt like there was... There was... A, Neo was a little too overpowered at that point. There was no journey to have. He already could do everything. I guess he had by the end of the it. first one, he had that superhuman... So there was no fun in him learning how to control his powers he already could do everything yes but but they also established that that mr smith had gotten equally as powerful and he was a true threat because he was as much as like neo kind of felt limitless it, it was like mr smith was was infinite true i also didn't like the connect the dots kind of plot line that where it felt like in that film they were like okay we will go now to this place and then this person tells you well now it felt like a video game we're gonna go to this this inn and then well you need to get this yeah, thing yeah, and yeah, go go here to it, this next spot i mean that's kind of what it was like it, it 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 had its roots in video games and in like japanese like uh anime and like i mean obviously it had a really distinct look the fight scenes were very uh, over the top and like telegraphed and and just I don't know unrealistic like they had so much wire work I didn't have a problem with that all that stuff was great right. that was okay the the scene I can still remember the scene where he fights all those like those hundreds of different yeah. Mr. Smith and and that was or Agent Smith Agent and Smith. he wasn't fighting Brad Pitt and you know <laughs> yeah. but 
and I still like all that stuff, and that stuff was was great right. at the time. But it just felt like a, I, it it felt like they were lazy in writing the second one because they rushed and they had this great idea for the third one, which I didn't really like what they did in the third one. So the journey to get there in the second film wasn't very satisfying. Okay, that's so fair. I mean, but it, but it was, and and I agree with what you're saying to a degree. But like it was, it still had all these like marquee set pieces that were super cool like that got you through that movie like the the big sequence against agent smith and then the, 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 the chase scene was really cool them. with the um with the white agents the virus characters yeah yeah i the mean upgrades i think is yeah they, or i don't know what they were the, i forget what it was but there there were some cool things here and there but when i look back at it the trailers, the idea that I had of what the second Matrix movie was going to be was always greater than what I actually got on screen. Maybe that's just my expectation, and that's why I'm hesitant with Mad Max to say, yeah, fucking green light, a sequel, I want to see three of these, because I I almost think that you can only see one of these. (laughs) Like, I think that this is the film that was meant to be made and a product of success from the studio just saying let's make another one maybe george miller doesn't want another one maybe this is his vision maybe but maybe he's got more he could have more he clearly did have more mad max in him so and it feels like this guy is finally gonna get his due you know oh yeah well i mean already people are screaming for the justice league movie that he was gonna yeah, make. yeah although that from what i've heard that didn't sound too hot um, the story sounded kind of interesting. It was the the Flash was going to be the main character. I think is it Adam Brody? Adam Brody was going to be the Flash, and he was the main character and had. Uh, it, it sounded interesting. I I don't want to go over it. The, he told the story on um, Kevin Smith's podcast about what he remembered. Batman. Yeah, about what he remembered. So the the actual story sounded okay. It sounded all right. And man, I can't doubt somebody that just put out this film that I love. It, it goes to show maybe what these really uh, capable creators can do with without studio interference. If you, if these guys are allowed to kind of you know realize their vision, then maybe we could have some really amazing shit. And maybe that's why you know everything feels so samey because maybe the studios are like well you know it's got to be like this or it's got to have this because there's you know certain precedents that are set and expectations that this is the only thing audiences are going to like and maybe there's some truth there because as much as we all loved Mad Max it didn't do that great no I don't think so it it didn't Really? It didn't even make it's its got, budget back? It's got great word of mouth, and it's going to make it back once it hits, like, video and on-demand and everything. It was $150 million budget, and its total gross was $138. It'll, mm-hmm. which, it'll Worldwide, it's 262 So right. it, made its, it made its money back. It's not, like, some flop. No, it's not a flop, but it's not, like... It's not Jurassic Park numbers, but it it totally made its money back, especially when you factor in overseas, which is a big part of the market nowadays. I think the thing that's really going to help solidify uh, the sequel would be um, the incredible positive word of mouth on this movie. I think that, you know, if they make a sequel, um, 
the people will be so much more amped for it than this one. This one was totally an unknown commodity, but going forward, it's going to be balls to the wall positivity. I think. I was at a restaurant today, and I was list. I was um, listening to conversation that was next to me, and I was I was actually taking notes for. Tonight's you were dropping to that degree, or like <laughs> they're right <laughs> beside me. I was taking notes for this podcast as I was eating, and I was looking on my phone. And I was taking notes, and I was listening to the guys talking. And the one guy just said, "You know what? You have to watch." I went to see Jurassic Park, and it was great and everything. But you have to go see Mad Max. It was unbelievable. It would blow your mind. Practical effects never seen anything like it and that's what i've been hearing all the people all the proponents of this film you've never seen anything like it and i have and it's it just it blew my mind it took my breath away paul has the new star wars comic book series taken your breath away no no i've probably been most critical of the star wars title that you mean as opposed to Princess Leia, Darth Vader, all right. that stuff. Okay. <clears throat> and I had, even though I said I was going to get a canon book, I feel like I keep forgetting that it's out. So, did I you not forget to get it? I missed it by a couple weeks. <clears throat> I missed the first issue by a couple weeks. Yeah. So, I, and every time I keep going into the shop, I keep forgetting to. Is it sold out? They may have it, but okay. every time I go in, I have other concerns and I forget to go look for it. Okay. And I'll see it mentioned somewhere. I'm like, God damn it! And I think they're up to like issue four at this point. Uh, I at least three. I don't know if four is out yet. But I mean, I think you can get caught up in a weekend. Um, three, three. I think Princess Leia is on a downward trend. <laughs> Darth Vader has been good from the very beginning. Yeah. And Star Wars has been a fucking roller coaster of good and bad issues. I feel like the art has gotten better, but the story, I'm not really so hot on Star right Wars? now. So with the Star Wars proper. I, I really like the art in this last one of the, book. One of the problems I have with Star Wars, the... Um, who fucking writes that? Jason Aaron... Jason Aaron and, and John, John Cassidy, Cassidy is the artist. Mm -hmm. One of the problems I have with it is that I'm tired of Luke and Han being separated. We get to see them together all through A New Hope, and then Empire, separate. Jedi, separate. For the most part. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to see those two have some adventures together, and these are the perfect, the perfect places to put them together mm -hmm. to develop that relationship a little bit but they're also trying to develop the leia han relationship and don't make care. it and don't care and they want to make it make sense yeah. well, why she would so, fall for a scoundrel so in the original trilogy it doesn't make sense to you it makes sense to me i'm right. just saying that they're fleshing, need, i'm just saying that they're fleshing it out is it doesn't what need i'm saying explored anymore this current han and leia thing that they're doing in this, in this book it feels just like you know what Jason Aaron, this is this is fine, but they already did this and they did it better. So why don't you focus on some different shit that you can do a good job with because this is fucking boring. And now you're just introducing shock value to introduce shock value. And because some fucking goofball in the fucking George Lucas Star Wars writing canon brain trust 
was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's make Hansel have a wife. Dumb. It's fucking stupid. Why don't you fill in the listeners? Because I don't know if that... that <laughs> None of that translated. Tells tell us so. the whole story. So, while Luke goes off back to Tatooine to go to Ben Kenobi's old hut to find any kind of knowledge about the Force or any hidden messages or anything that can help him be a Jedi, Han and Leia go off. I fucking forget. They're going well, off to find... to go find parts. They're trying or, to find, they're find a new proper base. planets. They're basically in the search for Hoth. They're so, not just finding parts. They're not going on a pizza run, dude. Right, right. Well, Han... You're right. So Han does, Han does this for parts to fix the Falcon so he can leave the Rebellion and just go do whatever he wants to do. But before he can do that, Leia's like, well, you need to go come scout this bullshit with me. So they're off doing that, and there's some fucking second grade banter between the two of them that isn't nearly as well pulled off as Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher in See, the original I, trilogy. I feel like the voices of all of these characters ring true. I don't think that this... The, that's not the part that I have a problem with, is how these characters sound in their interactions because I think that those are good. So they find this planet and they're like, oh fuck, this planet's beautiful and Han's like hey Chewie left this bottle of wine here let's get drunk and screw and Leia's like what do you think I'm I thought you would like that you don't like that and first of all they don't find the planet they're they because Han's a dipshit and panics because the empire is tracking them down they have to to escape go through some quasi asteroid field haven't seen that before and then they land on this planet. It's the atmosphere of the planet. And they're but, like, all right, we're, we're, we're safe here now. And all of a sudden, some other ship shows up that looks kind of like the ghost and the falcon put together. And it's some chick that's like, hey, who are you? And Leia's like, I'm Princess Leia. And she's like, well, I'm Han Solo's wife. <gasps> Cliffhanger! And I'm like... Listen for, up. For the listeners, like, Listen she actually up, said... chocolate honey. Uh, we already saw this surprise black wife in fucking Saga she two said, years ago. She said, so this bitch! Is, this is nothing we haven't seen before if we've been reading good comic books. That's the thing that jumped out at me. I was like, wait a second. I was like, oh, it's fucking Gwendolyn. Yeah, they already did this shit. Where are your horns? So that, it, that explains why... Um, Black Stormtrooper is Black Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Boyega. Yeah, that explains why John Boyega could is be, on could, Solo's side. Could be, we don't know, unconfirmed. But it felt like, and we always talk about, or at least me and you talk about, how Saga is Star Wars for, you know, it's, it's everything Star Wars should be right now. Well, they just totally bit off of what Saga was doing. So, a little disappointing there. Yeah, like, and I'm sure they're going to reconcile the wife thing, and they're not really going to be, like, married. It's, and Han Solo had a, a life before A New Hope, so I'm sure some shit happened. So, whatever, I don't really give a shit about that. It seemed like there was some internet uproar about, Han Solo's married, what the fuck? I don't give a shit about that. I give a shit about that this story was poorly constructed. But what I did like between the Darth Vader issues and the Star Wars issue was that they both featured 
the same scene from two different points of view. In the Star Wars book, when Luke goes to Ben Kenobi's hut, Boba, Darth Vader sent Boba Fett out to find him. Find who this kid is that blew up the, the Death Star. That leads Boba Fett back to Tatooine. It leads him to Ben Kenobi's hut. And him and Luke have a tete-a-tete. Let's call it what it was. Boba Fett is the worst bounty hunter <laughs> in the fucking galaxy. That's what I've learned from Luke, this story. Luke punks Luke, him twice. Luke was... Boba Fett ambushes him, throws a flash grenade in there, blinds him, and somehow Luke still beats him and gets out with his life. Untrained Luke. Untrained, shitty fucking Boba yellow jacket wearing worst. Luke. So then Boba Suck drags his dead ass back and is like, hey boss, I totally fucked up, but I got the kid's name. Well, it's cool is that in the Darth Vader issue, you get that scene of Boba Fett and Darth Vader talking from Darth Vader's perspective. And in the Star Wars book, you get the same scene from Boba Fett's perspective. And I like how they're um, they're intertwined enough that you get to see the same scene in both books. I was glad that I read Star Wars first. I'm not sure because I've been trying to catch up on it and I haven't been reading it um, as they come out. But the scene in Star Wars where you're getting it from Boba Fett's point of view is, oh, holy crap, this dude's really mad. I must have fucked up. He says the name uh, Skywalker. Darth Vader breaks the glass. He's really fucking pissed. Yeah, but Boba Fett's out by that point. But, but you still get, oh, he's just mad. In the, in the Darth Vader book, you get cut-in scenes of why he's upset. Now, and as Star Wars fans, we understand that he has been lied to and that the Emperor was less than honest with him a little bit. But you get all those cut-in scenes, and right. it, it makes, if you didn't get it the first time, it makes it crystal clear in Darth Vader. And I, I really, I felt bad for the guy. What the fuck? Yeah, I think I think Salvador LaRocca is the artist on the Darth Vader book. And I think he probably could have done a better job with some Natalie Portman likenesses. Likeness in that one panel. It's just rough. Yeah, go back. That one right there. Um, it's a little sketchy. Looks like he traced maybe part, a little his, bit. His art has been fantastic. The Darth Vader book is pretty tight. And I, there's a lot I don't like about it. But the, the Star Wars books, it's fucking up and down. I've Man, enjoyed Darth Vader way more. Hour. Even the crazy murder droids that are 3PO and another yeah, R2-ish Psycho block. Yeah, Psycho 3PO and R2. It's a funny twist, man, to hear <laughs> that protocol droid spot off murder and death. Because like, that's funny. imagine Anthony Daniels' voice when you're reading it, talking about how much he fucking gets off on torturing people. Exactly, and that's Is why it it's kind of like when... C-3PO was like, die, Jedi dogs, in Attack of the Clones. Because um, no, that was fucking... It's, it's dumb It's it dumb was, for different it, reasons. Yeah. 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 Oh, God, that was so bad. That was, that was bad. This, oh. is, this, is, this is kind of bad, too. Like, I don't know why. I don't know. I, I enjoy it, man. It's funny. murder droids, and I think about, you know, Darth Vader having to fight these weird human-cyborg hybrids, because the Emperor... In the Darth Vader book, the Emperor has some dude constructing, like, cyber... I mean, superhumans. 
Let's like call him... cyborgs. They let's have, call him Kano from fucking Mortal Kombat. They're not Force-sensitive, but they have cybernetic limbs and powers that simulate, you know, the Force. There's and, an Admiral Akbar general Grievous mashup, right. which was the worst. And there's also, like, a cybernetic Bosk that's one of them, but I'm like, these, are, these guys just fucking suck. And the fact that Darth Vader doesn't rip through them and that and then the issue that they fight, like it, it upsets me. I'm like, I, I know there's fucking four of them, but Darth Vader should fucking trash these fucking thugs. I agree. But for some reason, who who writes that? Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan's a he's, good writer. Yeah, he's doing something I'm fucking in on this book. There's so much I don't like about it. But I still like it infinitely more than Princess Leia, which I'm really losing interest I bailed in. out on Princess Leia. Maybe the third issue. I forget who's writing that, but the Dodsons are it's turning in... It's The Dodsons are turning in some really shitty work on that. When you, you see what they're doing on Red from Image, and you see that, they're clearly just fucking mailing some shit in. What I really liked about the Dark Horse Star Wars book was that it got... I forget who the writer was, but it got personal. Brian Wood. Brian Wood. And it dealt with what I thought was a more realistic storyline of Leia and Luke handling all the loss they just faced. Mm -hmm. You know, Luke lost his surrogate parents. He lost his mentor. Um, He's off of his planet for who knows how long. Mm -hmm. Leia lost all of her family, her entire planet. And they get into how they're handling that depression and all that loss. And in this one, it's like... Yeah, just more adventure. We don't give a shit about that stuff. Just more adventure. Because it feels like bombastic, over-the-top Marvel. It feels like Marvel Studios presents. And I, I understand why they're doing it, but the... And it works... It works in the story of Luke going back to Ben's hovel and trying to find any clue as to how to be a better Jedi. Because in the background, you can put all that shit in there that he's still processing all this loss, and this is his way of dealing with it. You know, I, I, I handled all this shit, and I'm going to be a Jedi so I can better handle this shit in the future. But with Leia stuff, like, she, the plot of the Princess Leia book is that she's going around the galaxy to find other Alderanians who are on different planets that the Empire is hunting down. And what doesn't ring true to me about that is that like, I don't think the Empire would give a fuck about hunting down Alderanians. They're like, we just blew up a planet. That was the point. To show this princess how much fucking power we have. We killed a planet. I don't care if you have... If there's five Alderanian musicians out on some backwater town. We don't fucking give a shit. We're the Empire. But that's what Mark Wade has Princess Leia doing. Going to hunt... Oh, there's this, there's, there's this group of Alderanians hiding out on this planet. The Empire doesn't fucking give a shit. Alderaan was... It could have been any planet. It doesn't fucking matter. It was just a show of force. That's right. And that, that's... That's the big sticking point with the Princess Leia book. It's like... It, I, don't, I just don't see the Empire being concerned whatsoever with any remaining Alderanians. Is Princess Leia... Middle finger is that an ongoing yeah, title? Or are they Mercifully, gonna... it's a miniseries. Thank God. It's a piece of shit. Fucking do something different. Well, Lando... We got that coming. That could, I, be, that could be cool. The more I think could about be. it, the less I give a fucking shit about Lando. I, 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 
I just... I, you know what it is? I, I'm not interested in that timeline. Like, I want to see General Calrissian, not smooth-talking mayor of Cloud City Calrissian. Like, I want to see the warrior, not the playboy. Yeah, see, I like the playboy. I, I'm I interested like the playboy, in too, but I, I feel like... But I'm interested. I'm actually he, interested. Wait, what do you want to see, Matt? He wants to see... General Calrissian. After oh. Jedi. What I really want to see is even before that. I want to see... Han and Lando and what they do together, their friendship. How did they become friends? What happened? If they do it, it would be cool to read. That would be so the, cool. um, If one of the issues is Lando losing the Falcon to Han and that and that game of Sabak. Yeah, but I want a whole series about their friendship. I want those dudes Could to be, be cool. bros. Could be cool, but I, I just yeah, I, I want feel like it's not buddy comedy. Yeah, um, I got to tell you that. I've really been enjoying the hell out of the Star Wars series. Uh, I don't feel like it's up and down necessarily with the writing. I think the artwork's a little up and down. Yeah. Mainly up, but sometimes down. Um, the writing, I think, has been pretty consistent with the uh, the caveat that they, they swipe um, iconic lines out of the movies and then they, like force them in, like, shoehorn them into the, into the dialogue in the comic book, and it's just like, oh my god, I can't stand when that happens. I hate when it happens on the cartoon show. I hate when it happens in other movies. Except if it's, like, kind of like a tongue-in-cheek one, like, I have a bad feeling about this. Um, are there, is there another one? I feel like there's another one. I but, feel like there is, too, but I can't think of it right now. But, but yeah, if it's a Star Wars line, that's different. I am looking at a terrible swipe right now as blind Luke says, I can feel the force flowing through him. And Boba Fett says, feel this. Like, come on now. And he makes him suck his dick! Just... I don't think that happened, but I, see, that doesn't bother me. The Luke line is the stupid. But flowing when through Fett him, says, like, yeah. feel this, whatever. I don't give a shit, that's fine. Um, it, you know, the... the Paul, you're right. The story is like adventure, excitement, adventure, excitement. Which, you know, everyone has a boner right now for getting back to the classic trilogy, the classic trilogy. But, like, I think you're right. The The Dark Horse series was more introspective. It was probably more interesting. But I'm probably having more fun with the Marvel one so far. Yeah, and this is more back to the original trilogy because A New Hope is nothing but adventure and excitement yeah but like some of the adventure and excitement in this is like kind of dumb like i thought the the assault on the weapons facility was pretty fucking stupid in the first two or three issues like commandeering like think about all the stuff they do before it actually happens on screen which is now canon in the comics luke fights vader in this before he fights him on Cloud City. Dumb. Um, they they steal an Imperial Walker. So now we've seen Walkers before we see him in Empire, which was a great reveal. Dumb. Um, One of the big problems but, I had with that was that Han has been a smuggler. He's been on the run. He's been under the radar this entire time. And there's a line in that in one of those issues, whenever they blow up this facility, he's like, I showed my face to the fucking Empire for you. Now they know who I am. Right. And at that point, that goes against everything I know about Han Solo. Yeah. Um, there's just so much, like, 
I don't know, it's not contradictory stuff, but it's stuff that I don't feel like belonged, uh, like, like that had to be seen. Reno gets taken apart by aliens? Yeah, and, that, and it happened, like, it, he gets blown <clears throat> apart, just like he did in Cloud City. Like, all this shit, it's like, it happens, and then it happens again in the movies. Well, Luke having a... A throwdown with Boba Fett. Boba Fett is ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. Like, yeah, it makes Boba Fett look like a clown, right? Um, I don't know. So, like, it's still fun for what it is, but to tell me this is canon, and I know we've had this discussion many times. Does that bother you? A little bit, but in my mind, it's not canon. This is just more supplemental fun shit. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, the movies are going to be what the movies are, and that's just the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, to me, this is no more cani- canonical. With canonical. The, canonical. Canonical? Canonical. Canonical. <laughs> <laughs> it's no more so than the, the Brian Wood Star Wars series. Um, or or any other Dark Horse Star Wars series for that matter. It it doesn't feel like well this is real Star Wars and that other stuff was shit. The, I just I feel like in general all the Star Wars stuff that we've gotten and are getting that is now officially canon is not any more like legit than the the Legends stuff that came before. It just feels like more. Some good, some bad fan fiction. I want to see some shit that ultimately doesn't matter, but would still entertain me in a Star Wars book. Like, between the New Hope and Empire, they need to find a new base. Han needs parts for the Falcon, and at some point he's like, Luke, why don't you come with Chewie and I? We're going to drop down to this planet real fast while, while we're here. We're going to pick up some parts. Yeah. They go down to the planet, they get into a little scuffle, they have a little adventure down there, and then they meet up with the rebel base, the you know the rebel fleet at some point, and then they're off. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, and it doesn't have doesn't any need bearing to... on the bigger story. It doesn't it... need to be Boba Fett. Yeah. It doesn't need to you know echo back to anything that happened in the movies. It's just a cool story about Luke developing his relationship with Han and Chewie in between the major shit that really mm-hmm. happens. Doesn't it feel like they're really trying to blow their load way too early in the Star Wars book? Like, they have Luke fighting Darth Vader like issue in two. the first issue. At the end of the first issue, they are about to have a duel. What the hell? What? And then Boba Fett shows up in the fifth issue or the fourth issue? And fights Luke? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, wasn't it cool just in Return of the Jedi when... Like, the first time Boba Fett and Luke ever see one another should have been The Empire Strikes Back when Boba Fett tries to shoot his head off. But he's like, ah, fuck that kid. I'm, I need to get off this planet. And and then and Luke was kind of like, I don't know who that green stormtrooper was, right. but eventually I might have somebody accidentally kill him. Like, well, then Luke fights him for real. And kind of kicks his ass. Like, yeah, like, ish. Like, just like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, your silly little rope. Fall down, boy. Which yeah, like, makes... I, I, don't, I don't need the Cloud City business or the Jabba's Skiff business to feel like, I'm going to settle this grudge. Yeah. Right. I just right, want it right. to be something that happened. You know? Right, right. And it makes... it, it makes Like, how many more, like, times are we going to see Boba Fett and Luke... 
Fight a million times. Like, like the, what we don't realize is Boba Fett and Luke are on a first name basis by the time they see each other on Cloud City. Like in in the in the new Blu-ray release, you're gonna see Boba Fett be like, "Oh, hey, Luke." Yeah, Luke's like, "God damn it, you again!" Right. So, um, but we like the Star Wars book. Do we like the Star Wars? I like it for what it is. It's fun. It's entertaining. I think it's pretty well drawn. There was one, um, there was one panel in particular that I really, really liked. And it was in the, I think it was in the fifth issue, where um, Luke goes to Tatooine and he encounters a, a sand person, a Tusken Raider. And and they are both swinging, like Luke swinging his lightsaber and the Tusken Raider swinging his gaffy stick. And it's just a really cool drawing. Like, I feel like it's captures so much energy and it just looks cool. It looks like it could have come right out of, uh, right out of one of the movies. Um, like, I feel like there's weight behind everyone that's swinging in it. It's just cool. Got R2-D2 there. Yeah, it's it's up and down enjoyable for me. Like, I, I'm still getting it. It's not like uh, it's one of the many DC books that I will not be getting anymore. Did you want to talk at all about uh, post-convergence DC uh, very quickly? No, there's a, there's a lot of ground to cover with post-convergence DC. Um, we can put that off for a week. We can. We can. There's Maybe plenty we'll... of time to dig in or not dig in. I want to read the post-convergence I have because I would like to compare and contrast my feelings on convergence as well as Marvel's Secret Wars, which we thought was going to be the exact same thing from the two big companies, which I think are super different is not the case no, so not the case maybe we'll have maybe we'll we'll read some books and we'll reconvene yeah that's a that's a good idea sounds like another a, time. a winning plan so for tonight's episode my name is paul mcginty ian sharply matt casal we'll see you next time I say nickel. Uh, uh, fuck, oh, what was it? it? I wrote it down. Yeah, it's cannon nickel. Cannon nickel. Space nickel or dash nickel? Because it's cannon dash nickel. And that is the title, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah, as soon as, as, soon as we said it. Cannon nickel. nickel.